Good morning. I'm Earl Stewart. I welcome you to Earl Stewart on Cars, a live talk show all about how to buy, lease, maintain, or repair your car without being ripped off by a car dealer. With me in the studio is Nancy Stewart, my wife, co-host, and a strong consumer advocate, especially for our female listeners. We also have Rick Kearney, an expert on how to keep your car running right. I dare you to ask a question that Rick can't answer about the mechanics or electronics of your car. Also with us is my son, Stu Stewart, our link to cyberspace through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope. Stu is also the Spymaster Director of our Mystery Shopping Report. He dispatches our secret shopper weekly to an unsuspecting South Florida dealership. And now, on with the show. Good morning, everybody. Well, I tell you what, we're an excited group here in our brand new studio. You probably can't see too much of it, maybe the green background here, but uh, we want to thank uh, True Oldies. Uh, for allowing us to have the privilege of using this uh, you know, top of the tech line, 21st century, super duper studio. Uh, I hope the sound is better. That's what it's all about. And maybe you can see us a little better. We've got cameras all over the place. And uh, you heard my introduction. I have a little modification there. My son, Stu Stewart, uh, isn't with us this morning, but we have one of our old regulars here, Alan Napier, who is our collision repair expert and Alan used to be on the show every week and uh, we decided that you know more infrequent visits because you don't wreck your car as often as you have to maintain your car and uh, most of Alan's uh, expertise is in the repair body repair business and he's also very good with insurance companies so I know we've got a lot of regular listeners folks that have been with us uh, for years been doing this for 15 years but a lot of regulars saw uh, would uh, have missed Alan. They've asked why he isn't on the show more frequently. Well, here he is. So uh, take advantage of Alan Napier, and you can uh, text us your calls at um, text your questions at 772-497-6530. Anything to do with collision, paint, uh, rust, uh, you know, dealing with insurance companies. That's one of the uh, most treacherous things you have to do with an insurance company is always going to take in more premiums they want to pay out in claims and so that is kind of a problem uh, if you have a problem in that regard uh, we'll certainly ask you to give Alan a call so text as I said 772-497-6530 and of course call us 877-960-9960 that's 877-960-9960 now, folks that are not not familiar with us, uh, what is this show all about? I, I mentioned that earlier, uh, and it's in my introduction, but uh, we thrive on your questions, your comments. We're out to make your life easier when it comes to buying, leasing, repairing, or maintaining your car. So if you, if you have a question or a comment, uh, don't think it's a stupid question. Don't think it's uh, no one's interested. We learn more from you on this show sometimes than I think you learn from us. So please give us a call at 877-960-9960. Um, let's go around and kind of introduce everybody in the studio, uh, especially for the folks that don't know us. To my left is my co-host, Nancy Stewart. She also is my wife. Uh, Nancy is a, as I said in my introduction, she's a very strong female advocate. She believes that women should have a 50-50 say in things. They have a 50-50 say in buying and driving cars. Why not and everything else? So, Nancy, uh, tell us about that special offer we have for female callers. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. What an exciting show we have for you this morning. And to the ladies, well, 
I'd like to offer you $50 for the first two new lady callers this morning. Please, your voice is extremely important, and we are building a platform here for the ladies, and you can help me with that by giving us a call at 877-960-9960. Or you can text us this morning if you're a little shy at 772-497-6530. Now back to the recovering car dealer. And uh, as I say, the regular listeners are going to be glad that Alan's back. And uh, Alan, uh, tell us a little bit about your expertise. A lot of folks haven't heard from you in months. So uh, you're a collision repair guy. I've known you for a lot of years. How long have you been in the business? I've been doing this since uh, I was about 24 when I started managing a body shop. So that's about 30-some years. Um, I enjoy it. I, I still find it invigorating to show up every day and see what uh, what's going to happen. Uh, I don't care how long you're in this business dealing with customers, cars, and insurance companies. You, you, you're going to learn something new just about every day and be confronted with a situation you never, never thought you'd see. Uh, I love doing the show, and I love getting up at 4 o'clock to come in and do the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, what an amazing man. <laughs> it, it's, been a, it's been a long time, and, and it really is fun talking to you folks. And, and uh, I think we all learn something every week, and uh, we, hopefully we teach you a little something. And I don't have all the answers, but uh, I'll certainly try to help you with any uh, uh, car-related or, or car insurance-related question that I can. And uh, I appreciate you having me back. Love to have you back, Alan. And insurance companies are one of our biggest uh, complaints that we have dealing with your insurance companies. They love to take your premium checks, but they hate to pay the claims out. And when you have an accident, I don't care whether it's Allstate, State Farm, Geico, all the insurance companies, there's usually an issue. And Alan can help you with that because SLE he does all day long. He's no, he knows these insurance companies, and he can help you. And uh, to my right, Excuse Nancy me for is just a moment. Uh, Tina, uh, we know you're on the line, so you just hold on for a couple minutes. Yeah, Tina, I'll be right with you. I just wanted Rick to kind of introduce himself. Uh, we did a little bit of an introduction earlier, but Rick, tell us a little bit about your qualifications. Uh, you know just about everything about maintaining and repairing cars. Uh, good morning, folks. Uh, I'm Rick Kearney. Uh, 25 years working for Earl and working as a Toyota technician. Uh, master diagnostic tech and uh please bear with us this morning with uh anything on the internet because Stu is not here so i'm kind of handling both youtube channels and facebook all at once and well let's say uh i'm a better mechanic working with cars sometimes than with the uh personal computers but i'm learning my way through it all rick i understand that is a double duty job but i know you can handle it let's get to tina yes good morning tina welcome to the show We got you on the line, Tina. Okay, new studio, high tech. Uh, We can't hear you, Tina, if you're still there. Give us a call back. Uh, Tina from Bonita Springs, as Nancy said, is one of our best and most regular female callers. Uh, She is extremely knowledgeable, and there's not a call that she makes that we don't learn something from Tina. Absolutely. So, Tina, if, uh, if you're still out there somewhere in Radio Land, please give us a call back. 877-960-9960, 
pray because uh, they can charge you in Florida on a new car. They can charge you 18% interest on a used car. They can charge you 37, 38% interest. I mean, uh, that's worse than borrowing it from, uh, you know, the mafia. It's just, uh, uh, it's, can <laughs> yeah. you imagine 38%? But uh, thanks for the heads up, Tina, and uh, alerting our listeners to the dangers of buying cars when you have bad credit. Hey, Tina, just before uh, you get off the subject, because you always have multiple interesting subjects, uh, the $25,000 bond limit, that brings to mind for, uh, for me, from my aspect of the business, the $10,000 uh, minimum or maximum payout on some policies, insurance policies. Uh, same as the $25,000 limit, it was probably established in like the 80s. Uh, the $10,000 liability limit, that was established, I believe, in 87 or 88. So if somebody that has a minimum insurance hits you in your car and it's their fault, uh, odds are your damage is going to be over $10,000, but their policy is not going to pay it and your policy has to pick it up. So same same thing, kind of. Uh, these these dollar limit things are so antiquated from 30 and 40 years ago. I, I think Earl probably ought to have to put about a half million dollar bond up. Uh, I can't afford it. <laughs> Tina, uh, what, what else is on your mind? That was a great question. Well, my point in bringing up the bond is that this could be leverage for a car buyer, especially. It just, I mean, I hate to use this word disadvantaged, but that's the only adjective I can think of at eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it's this, a, this could be leverage. This could be leverage for a car buyer because if the seller tries to engage them in yo-yo financing, if they try to pull a bait and switch, what the buyer can do is they could go after the bond company. Yes. And the bond company will put pressure on the seller. And believe me, the seller does not want to lose their bond because that if they lose their bond, they can't sell vehicles in the state of Florida. So this puts pressure on the seller to say, okay, let me go ahead and pay you some money. Let me go ahead and make the deal right. That mm -hmm. way I don't lose my bond. No, so you're absolutely right, Tina. That's a good point, and it, it should, yeah, they, they great, should do that. Yeah, it's a great tool for the, for the buyer. So even if you don't have a lot of money, even if your credit is not that great, don't think that you're a sitting duck. You don't have to be a sitting duck. You've got more power than you realize. Yeah, bring the third party, the bond company, you bring the Department of Motor Vehicles, and of course the Better Business Bureau and Consumer Office of Consumer Affairs, the Attorney General's Office. Uh, when you fight with a dealer head to head, uh, he's going to win. Uh, you need to bring the third parties in. I hadn't thought about the bond company, and your point is excellent. If you really get into a nasty fight, and of course the last, last alternative is uh, hiring an attorney. I always recommend that as the very last, but. Uh, the dealers uh, are not going to, a bad dealer who's trying to take advantage of, of you and you get into a fight with them, uh, you're not going to get anywhere until you bring in a third party that's got some power. So uh, thank you very much for that call, Tina, and uh, please call again. Yes, thank you, Tina. Okay, Nancy, Nancy I'm, I'm watching my mailbox, so I just want to let you know. <laughs> oh, alrighty. Should be a day or two. Tina's. Uh, you know that you played an important part this morning as a female, the first caller, and breaking us in to our new studio. And uh, I, I hope that you're viewing us. And uh, to all the ladies, uh, well, 
Tina opened the door. Give me a call. First two new lady callers. You can win yourself $50. 877-960-9960. Or you can text us. Rick's right here, and he's taking all the texts and YouTubes, and uh, they can re- be read right here on the air. That's 877, excuse me, 772-497-6530. And don't forget, youranonymousfeedback.com. We'd love to hear from you. Give us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing this radio show every Saturday morning. You're an important part of the show. So take advantage of that. Uh, I see here where we have a caller from uh, Gainesville, I believe, and it is a uh, question about paint, and I believe that would be for Alan. Maybe. Good morning. Good morning. What's your name? Uh, Sorry, we didn't get your name on the screen here. Stuart. Oh, Stuart. W-A-R-T Cohen. How could I miss that name? Uh-huh. It's a great name. <laughs> Good morning, Stuart. Welcome to the show. Morning. Thank you. What's your question? Uh, I have a 2004 Ford Taurus, and the clear code is burning off. I live in northern Florida. I completely burned off the roof, and I actually spray-painted it and clear-coated it. And I went to wax it, and it all turned white from the wax sticking. Hmm. But they're all, all all over the car. The clear coat is burning off, and it's fading the paint. Is there anything I can do or cover it with to prevent the clear coat from burning off? Stuart, unfortunately, the answer to that is no. There's There's nothing you can do to bring that paint back or stop the uh, degradation that's occurring once it starts like that you you can't slow it down you can't stop it the only correction is to get it repainted and uh when you said that you uh uh, base coated it and clear coated it were you referring to you did that yourself like with aerosol at home i i I did that myself with aerosol yeah yeah and then you tried to apply wax to it and it just kind of kind of made a mess of it it. it was it was very dark I mean, yeah, it looked okay, and it did have hatch marks on it from spraying, you know, up backwards and forwards and left and right. Right. And the wax beads, when it rains, it beads on the roof, but all the wax sort of like sucked into the clear coat. Yeah. So it's nothing but white streaks on the roof now. Yeah. Sounds like maybe you might have hit it with the wax a little too soon. Um, yeah. I, I don't know really where you go with that doing home remedies uh, other than trying to uh, wash off the wax that's on there using uh, uh, what you have at home would be like Dawn, just not Dawn, uh, well, actually Dawn too, but uh, palm olive, the standard uh, dish soap, the really harsh stuff, that'll take the wax yeah. off for you. And uh, oh, really? Yeah, just use warm soapy water with uh, uh, dish soap and try to get that wax back off of there because if you if you are having a problem with the paint curing out and it's not cured and you put wax on it it can't release the solvents anymore so the cure process stops so if you can get that wax off and let that let that paint that you put on there breathe and let it harden up uh, for for two three weeks I, I don't know what you sprayed on it but give it two or three weeks in the florida sun and uh, then try reapplying your wax, and you might have a better result. 
But as far as the rest of the car... You're saying palm olive, like palm olive and water and the sponge to wash it down or use a rag? Yeah, just use a wash mat with warm water. And the palm olive dish soap and and Dawn are very harsh detergents. Now, a lot of people wax their cars all the time and then wash them with dish soap and wash the wax right off again, uh, not knowing. Uh, But it's a really good wax stripper. So in your case, you you need to use that. And uh, but as far as the rest of the car, I know it's an older car, and if you invest a little money in it with a, a Mako type paint job, uh, if you're going to keep the car forever, it's worth the investment. You know, six eight hundred dollars. Yeah, the car runs perfectly. I've only yeah. got about eighty-seven thousand miles. I've had no problems with it. Yeah, if if you're going to sell the car in the next year or two, sell it as is because adding adding a, a shiny, uh, pretty paint job is not going to increase the value of a 15-year-old car. But if you're going to keep right. it, it, it's worth the investment so you don't start getting that surface rust. Okay, I'm going to try that uh, palm olive that dawn. It just sounds like a good idea if it'll get the uh, wax marks. At least the, uh, the roof will look decent again. Yep. Sounds good, uh, By the way, I've, I've been watching your show. This is the third time, and I think it's a great thing to watch. I love watching your show. Well, thank you, Stuart. Well, spread the word in Gainesville. That's uh, I was in Gainesville in 1964. I'm a Gator, and uh, I haven't been back since. Oh. Call again, please. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, I'll call back next week. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks, and good luck. Okay. Okay, we got 877-960-9960. Uh, love to hear from you, 877-960-9960. And, of course, the text number, 772-497-635. I'm sorry, 497-6530, 772-497-6530. And i, I got to mention, we're on Facebook. It's just facebook.com forward slash Earl on Cars. And we're on Periscope, and we're on Twitter, and we're on YouTube, so uh, please uh, watch us, stream us, listen to us, whatever you want to do. How are we doing on the uh, postings, uh, Rick? Well, we've got uh, one question so far from Ernesto. He's actually asking, uh, are all Toyota certified, let me get this right, are all collision centers at a Toyota dealership Toyota certified? And if not, what's the difference between a certified and (coughs) non-certified one? And he's actually got a follow-up on that asking, uh, why do the insurance adjusters seem to underestimate the time for repair and cost compared to the collision center estimate? He says he understands it may change due to unseen damage once the repair starts. Before we get to that, I'm going to ask Doug and Nick to hold on, and we'll be right with you. Alan? Okay, addressing the certified shop first, the the difference between a certified and a non-certified, and we'll just stick with Toyota dealers, is your agreement to repair vehicles in a safe and ethical manner. Uh, You can lose your certification, say, if you use heat to straighten a frame rail. You can't do that anymore. Uh, Back in the old days... Don't get too technical on us, Alan. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the big difference is is just uh, adhering to uh, ethical standards in the repair, uh, and also the training of the technicians and the estimating staff and the management staff and all that. What was the second question? The uh, uh, he was asking why do the insurance adjusters seem to underestimate the time oh. for repair and cost? The answer to that question, there's an evolution uh, involved there. 
It used to be uh, they would do it to save a little bit of money. Uh, if they got it close, say you had a $1,000 repair and they wrote $850, uh, most body shops aren't going to stop the repair process and production in their shop to get that $150. That's kind of how it used to be. They, they knew what the damage was. They'd get it close and just hope the, the body shop wouldn't bother. But that's evolved. Now you have two, two other entirely different reasons. Uh, one is, and I love people in the insurance industry, I deal with them every day, but a lot of it is incompetence and a lack of knowledge about the repair process. Uh, more often than not, your insurance appraiser that comes to a body shop to inspect a car for damage is somebody that's got a two-year business degree and and they're really good with a computer and they send them to a few classes on how to use the software and they they send them out uh to the wolves uh the wolves being the body shops well let's let's wrap that up as quick as we can we have two callers here and this was a text so we can get back to that after we take our callers okay um remember ladies and gentlemen 877-960-9960 we're going to go to Doug, and uh, he is a regular caller from Boca. Good morning, Doug. Hi, good morning. This is Doug, and Ollie is sitting right beside me. And, um, I have a question for your dealership. My mom started off um, wanting to get a Camry and dealing with uh, Josh. And um, basically what happened, I guess, is you didn't have a color that she wanted mm-hmm. the, in the dealership. Um, and so I guess Josh was dealing with it, but now Jim is dealing with it. What I'm trying to do is help my mom get this car because Monday she has to turn in her rental car. Oh. And Tell them what the rental car company did you. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's kind of a mess with the rental car company. But um, so, so what I'm trying to do is, now, I hope I'm not overstepping my boundaries here. No, what, what, I did find, what, what, a, I did find a, a, a Camry that she wants mm-hmm. at a competitive dealership near you. Uh, the thing is, I, I want to go with you guys. Uh-huh. I don't know how we can do this. Now, I guess the only one that was available to her was gray, and she didn't want gray. Yeah, that's... Uh... <laughs> That's common uh, that most dealers uh, cooperate with each other, and I'd say about half the sales an uh, average car dealer make, uh, they swap, they call them dealer trades with other dealers. Uh, there's a huge number of combinations of colors and equipment and uh, models of cars. A dealer can't afford to stock, uh, you know, 1,000 or 2,000 cars, generally speaking. So, so they trade back and forth. So, yeah, uh, we can trade with the other dealer to get uh, the right color for your mom. And all car dealers do that. It's very common. No problem at all. And typically when you buy a car, Doug, uh, from any dealer, uh, if you're buying a car and you're in a rental car, they'll loan you a car. You, you, it's really no sense in you paying money for a rental right now. Uh, if you're buying a car from me or any other dealer, uh, they'll give you a demonstrator or something to drive temporarily until the exact car that you want to buy comes in. So um, all of those problems can be resolved. Um, That's great, but it wasn't offered to her at the time. And so the thing is, is I think what they said is it could take up to 12 days, but I did find the one that she wanted at a competitive dealer that's very close to you. Oh, okay. And, And... 
Um, I'm just trying to help her out because she's sure. kind of. Well, that's not a problem. Uh, well, uh, I'll tell you, after the show, you call me, give me the uh, name of the dealer, and uh, we will uh, we will uh, dealer trade with that dealer and cut that time short. I, I'm not sure why they thought it was going to take so long, but I'm glad you let me know about that. Awesome. Okay, well, that's why I called, because I know you solve problems. And, well, thank uh, you. Thank you. Oh, yeah, the rental company. One more thing. The rental company parked the car right near a wall. And um, my mom is, you know, she's in, her 80s. she's in her 80s. And basically what happened is she pulled out and she scraped the car a little bit on the wall, which is not a good thing. And so no. now she has to pay for the damage on the car. But I I think the rental company, which was Enterprise, should have parked a car in the front so she didn't have to negotiate, you know. That's a good point. Good point. Well, we'll take a look at the scratches and see if uh, we can help her. Uh, we can talk to the rental company, and uh, we can also take a look at the scratches and see the cost. But we'll help her any way we can, and I agree with you. Wow. Uh, uh, parking is so close to have, make it difficult for an elderly person to get in and out. Uh, they shouldn't have done that. You're exactly right. Okay, well, I appreciate you, and Ollie says hello. Oh, well, Ollie Ollie is a kitty cat for you folks that don't know Ollie, and one of the finest cats of all time. So, uh, Ollie, there he is. (laughs) Okay, Doug, Sam, Ollie, call again. Thanks very much. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank all of you uh, for tuning in to Earl Stewart on Cars this morning. You know you're a very important part of the show, and uh, we want to share this excitement with you of us being in a new studio. And remember, ladies, I offered you $50 for the first two new female callers this morning, 877-960-9960. And a shout-out to uh, Rudy. Thank you so much for your help. We're going to go to Nick, and uh, Nick is calling from Cambridge. And uh, I believe that that is just a, a, a little town in uh, Maine. Good morning, Nick. Hi, good morning. This is Nick. I've called before. I'm uh, in Cambridge in the greater Boston area. How are you all doing? Thank you for joining us. Hi, so I uh, wanted to ask Earl, I was uh, talking to a buddy that lives down in the South Florida region about off-lease only, and I know that you did a mystery shop there and that they were less than forthcoming about the issue with the Takata, you know, recall and, and you know, yes. having cars that didn't even have parts available or fixes available. Mm-hmm. But what I'm wondering is if you could talk more about is what, what happens when an OEM grounds a lease return vehicle at their dealership? Because one of my friends that works at a major Toyota dealership was telling me that they oftentimes, the, the best cars don't even make it to the auction, that as part of their efforts to keep the values of their cars up, all of the, the manufacturers have these proprietary internal offers that the dealer that grounds the unit gets first dibs on it, then it goes on this this internal site, and then if it doesn't go there, Toyota Financial Services picks the unit up and then will send it to the auction. And what my point to him, what I was trying to impress upon him was that, well, the cars that end up at off-lease only are the cars that the, you know, the, the dealers in that manufacturer's network passed on, and, you know, they're the ones that have full access to the service history. They can with a lot more detail than you or I or off-lease only, mm-hmm. you know, where the car's been, what's been done to it. 
you know, is there any truth to that? I mean, is that a major a major force with you know how how cars off lease uh, you know dealers that that look at them and appraise them for their you know used car lot? You know, I can speak for Florida, and in Florida, uh, the um, leasing companies are required to sell the cars at auction. There, there's a liability that they have. Uh, they have to be sure that they maximize the the value of the car at, at the end of the lease. If they they don't want to be accused of, uh, remember that the lessee has an option to purchase, and. Uh, uh, the option to purchase is, is fixed in the lease contract. Sometimes at the end of the lease, it can be an attractive price. The market value could be uh, much higher uh, than the residual value, which would be the option price to purchase. And that's, a, that's a, a bonus for the lessee. Usually it's the other way around, but it nevertheless is part of the contractual lease agreement. Uh, back um, years and years ago, the leasing companies would play games with these uh, uh, off-lease cars, and and uh, they would maybe sell them to a dealer at a sub-subsidized or lower price than they should. Uh, the the amount of uh, the amount that is paid uh, on the lease return is supposed to be fair market value, and the leasing companies are liable for that. Uh, in Maine, I'm not sure what the state law, or if there's a federal law that that uh, trumps the state law. I'm not sure, but uh, I would be surprised if. Uh, Toyota leasing in the state of Maine is not trying to maximize the price on the vehicle. Remember, uh, the leasing company is like a separate entity. Uh, it's a total separate entity from the dealership. And a dealer, um, if a dealer were high bidder, then I suppose state law may permit, permit them to buy the car. In Florida, I can't buy a car as a dealer. I have to give the car back to the leasing company, be it Toyota Leasing or whoever uh, is a leasing company, and they have to run it through a public auction. Mm-hmm. And I mean, other than the, the issue with the Takata, I mean, off-lease only, you know, I mean, they're, they're selling, what, 3,000 cars a month. I mean, I guess it stands to reason they must be doing something right. But I mean, is, would you have other, if people had other issues there that have come to your attention? Yeah, the Takata airbags, uh, interestingly enough, you talk about the value of the cars, you would think that a Takata airbag uh, recall, or even a Takata airbag recall with an unfixable situation, would have a lower market value. Uh, Because of the um, total uh, ignorance of most people about the Takata issue, uh, and because the dealers are not disclosing this and don't have to disclose it, perfectly legal to sell a car with a defective, uh, re- dangerous recall, including Takata. So if things were fair and honest and disclosure was total, a car with a dangerous recall would have much less of a market value. But today, you can run a car through the auction uh, with a Takata airbag recall and get the same money as a car that goes through the auction uh, without a Takata airbag recall. Okay. And I guess my other question is that just then the whole issue of, um, you know, the, the, the uh, lease, uh, off-lease sort of the auctions that the, that the OEMs have for their specific dealer networks and the virtual online one. Could it be that in your case you're with Southeast Toyota, you know, with like the five other states, and then there's, I think, Gulf States, Toyota, and then the rest of the country is uh, Toyota Financial Services? Could that also perhaps be part of it in this specific case? 
Are, are we still talking about uh, value of cars uh, with or without dangerous recalls or Takata airbags? No, no, I'm talking about just the, the general concept of that one of your customers, any Toyota customer for that matter, turns up at Girls Through Toyota with a you know lease unit to be grounded, and then you know you as the dealer, my understanding is. You get if the customers obviously by turning the car in is electing not to purchase it. Yeah, the, you as the, as the the grounding dealer have first bids, and then I thought that it would go on like a, a proprietary sort of you know online auction, if you will, just of Toyota dealerships or possibly Lexus dealerships as well. You know, with the idea being that you know they would hopefully buy it, sell it as a TCUV unit rather than have them, you know, turn up at the auction. And then there's, of course, auction fees, transport fees, and, you know, what have you, that it's better for all parties if they can keep keep the units out of the auction. The procedure with Southeast Toyota is when a car comes back, uh, and this is the five southeastern states, uh, it, it must return to a Toyota dealer. Uh, and they will do an inspection on the car, and they will write up what has to be paid by the lessee because of maybe tires are too thin, uh, not much tread, and uh, unusual wear and tear beyond normal wear and tear, dents and scratches, things of this nature. After that, they go to the auction, and uh, the dealer, if the lessee does not exercise their option to buy, then the dealer uh, will, uh, the leasing company will pick the car up at the dealership and take it to the auction. So the individual dealers are, do not buy the cars. Uh, they're not offered that option to buy the car by Southeast Toyota. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I guess it just. I know I called a couple months ago about the multiple security deposits, and I, maybe I guess it sounds like everything with Southeast Toyota is very different than Toyota Financial. Yeah. Now, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I, I. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say I'm pretty sure this is state state law, and I think it covers all manufacturers. Well, I'd only rate, uh, I enjoy uh, your listening and I appreciate all that you do to help the public. And, uh, you know, your reach is far outside the South Florida region. So. Well, I, th um, I, I hope I answered your questions. I, I get the feeling that uh, there's still some question, but I don't know uh, exactly what I can answer. It's, there is no, there is no uh, funny business going on, to my knowledge, with any of the leasing companies. Uh, the cars come back, they go to auction, and it's a bid process. Auction fees, by the way, are nominal, especially for a large volume. Um, Toyota leasing would have tens of thousands of cars coming back every year. And uh, when they go to auction, they probably pay a, a very nominal auction fee. Uh, they could theoretically have their own auctions, but I don't think they do that. All right. Thank you, Earl. Thank you very much for the Thanks call. Thanks for the phone call, Nick. Keep on listening. 877-960-9960. Or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And Meg, we're going to go out to Wellington and join you. Thank you so much for giving us a call this morning. What can we do for you? Hi. Good morning. Um, my name is Meg, and we purchased my son a... Ford Fusion approximately four years ago. I don't recall exact age of the car, maybe 2007. It's been a good vehicle, but, uh, and we did get the airbag recall replaced, um, the Takata airbag. Question now is, we're almost finished having it paid off, and we would like to trade it in, 
um, maybe in another 10, 12 months. But the power steering intermittently will go, and it makes it difficult to have a reliable car for him going back and forth to school and working. And we brought it in to be fixed, and they couldn't repeat the problem, so they said, you have to have a code or get us a code number. And we never know when that's going to happen. We have an extended warranty on it, but they will not replace it unless we get the code or the problem. They will not just replace it, so then we're out of pocket. Mm -hmm. My concern is the safety issue for him, and I don't want to trade a car in that we know has a problem. I don't feel like that's really morally correct, ethically. Any thoughts? Well, you have to have the car uh, at the at the dealership or an independent repair company to get an estimate. And uh, I would probably uh, suggest that you get more than one estimate, depending on the cost. Uh, uh, the repair of a power steering system on a Ford Taurus could vary considerably as to what was wrong. I'm going to ask Rick that question. What what sort of a range and expense are we looking at? Uh, well, the biggest difficulty she seems to be having is it's an intermittent problem. Yeah. And it's not occurring when they go to the dealership, you know, when they're taking it into the shop. And unfortunately, the extended warranty companies, in, in my experience, they're, they're very, very finicky about that. They, they just, they don't have any wiggle room on saying, oh, okay, we understand that it's an intermittent problem. And we may need to, you know, try different repairs to try to solve this Meg, issue. Let me so. ask you a question. How intermittent is it, if I missed it, and you said it earlier, every every other day or every few no, hours? No, not that often, every few weeks. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a tough one there. I was going to suggest that you let the independent mechanic or the dealership drive the car, but you don't want to leave it for, for weeks and weeks until it happens yeah. again. Uh, Alan, you got to... Right. But it sounds to me like the uh, the warranty company probably, when it does fail, rather than continue to drive it and get it to the dealer, and of course it corrects itself or the computer corrects itself, whatever, when it fails, down the car immediately and tow it to the dealer uh, while it's in that failure mode. And even if you don't have coverage through your warranty uh, policy for the tow, it may be worth it for you to spend the $100 to have the car towed while it's failing to the dealer. Don't start it. Don't do anything until it gets there uh, because you could have a twelve, eighteen hundred dollars $1,800 repair if you need a steering gear or something Yeah, my like concern, that. if I were Meg, it would happen on I-95 at... Uh, 97 miles an hour yeah and uh you know it's uh, i can see where we're con she's concerned about the safety issue and you just can't suddenly stop a car sometimes and get out of the car and right. say come tow it but uh that's a real dilemma uh, uh meg i uh, uh rick is there any kind of a uh, uh, monitoring tools a dealership can put on a car that when it occurs it'll freeze that issue in in the computer somehow uh Really, not that I'm aware of, unfortunately. Yeah. Because they they used to have those, but what they did is they integrated monitoring systems into the car. I don't know why it's not storing any sort of a, mm -hmm. a trouble code. Uh, what what year is that Ford Fusion, ma'am, Megan? I believe it's 2007, approximately. Okay, so that should be a hydraulic system. 
Uh, Maggie, what I'm going to suggest is, uh, sounds a little shady, but you might want to consider trading that car a little sooner. And uh, if you're really, really concerned about your son's safety, uh, uh, you might start uh, looking at other Ford, uh, later model Ford Fusion or whatever you want to buy, bring the car in and get it appraised, uh, get three competitive bids, get, you know, be sure that you're getting a good price and so move your buying up a few months. You said you were going to buy a car in a few months anyway. Uh, rather than have months of your son driving the car, worried about his safety, just trade it in. You there, Meg? Trading in a car that isn't really fully functional either, and I don't... Well, it's a, mor it's it. a moral dilemma, I have to tell you. I, I wish I could give you a, a clear-cut answer, but it seems to me you're caught between a rock and a hard place. You're concerned concern for your son's safety. I totally understand. Uh, one solution would be what Alan said, is you can just uh, drive it, and hopefully you can pull over the side of the road fast enough to have him tow it, and then the intermittent condition will be, be able to be diagnosed. But... That might not happen in a time when he can pull over the side right. of the road. So, uh, exactly. so you're gonna you're you have a you have to choose between trading in a car that you know to be unsafe, uh, or letting your son drive it for a few months until it finally does misbehave and you can have it fixed. And I wouldn't want to be in your shoes. It's a sad situation, but right. I can't think of a better uh, magical solution to your problem.
And they were programmed that way. And that's, a, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard of. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I'm embarrassed to be a Toyota dealer. Our, our painter Chuck, his, his uh, wife Debbie's uh, Corolla, she uh-huh. maintains it meticulously. Yes. She got to 300000 it just stopped. And uh, uh, Mark, <laughs> Mark, our service manager, uh, knew about the problem that it existed. Uh, they don't do them that way anymore, by the way. Uh, but uh, he got it replaced for them at no charge. And I think uh, that that's kind of an ongoing deal. You need to go to a, a car dealer that wants to help you, for one thing, uh, because it's not a... a, a financially profitable thing for the dealer it's a such a small thing but it's a huge thing if you own the car but go to a dealer your local dealer and tell them hey you can google this this is not unheard of what can you do for me and uh try to get it uh replaced at toyota's expense if they say we'll do it if you pay the first hundred dollars it's worth it go ahead and do it but try to get them to buy you one you can. I think you can embarrass Please. them into that if the dealer will cooperate and the Alan says go to bat for you, that'll work. If they won't, I think you can go to Toyota directly. Uh, the the top guy for Toyota in all of North America is Jim Lintz, L-E-N-T-Z, and uh, you copy him with some correspondence. He will see it. And we've had instances with my customers, and he will actually involve himself, go up high enough in the ranks at Toyota. And uh, if the dealer won't help you, and try to embarrass them into getting you a new odometer, because it's absolutely stupid that they would have designed the odometer that way. Sure, sure Lentz, shows a lack of confidence. Jim, Jim Lentz, L-E-N-T-Z. He is the, uh, I'm not sure, he is in charge of Toyota for all of North America, uh, probably president or executive or whatever. But uh, uh, if you Google him, uh, you'll get his uh, uh, contact information and send him an email. It's probably just... Uh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say... Well, the J- quick question. I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in the process of looking for a new car. And when you go to a dealership, you, of course, you can take it out and take a test drive. But it just doesn't give you a good idea what the car is like. Do most dealers allow you to use, use it for a couple of days, possibly, or can you rent a car from a dealership so you can get a better feel for it? Most dealers uh, would not let you have it uh, for a couple of days. Some would. Uh, remember, if, uh, if they have a demonstrator, that's one thing. If they don't have a car designated as demonstrator and the particular car you want to drive, they would have to give you a brand new car to drive for two or three days, and that would be uh, a difficulty because of the mileage you would put on the car. Then the next person that wanted to buy it wouldn't want to pay as much money. Uh, renting a car uh, would be a great idea, and uh, I would—I think you're on the right track. Too many people come in and they take a 20-minute demonstration ride, make a decision, and buy a $50,000 car. That's a bad idea. And I think you're exactly right. Even if you got a car that wasn't exactly the same, but it was the same year and make and model, but it might have different accessories, you should take a car out and drive it for several hours, if not overnight. And drive it in the same conditions that you normally drive your car. Uh, Highway driving, residential driving, the roads that you normally go over in your daily uh, whatever you do. And uh, that way you'll know whether you like the car. We have a lot of people myself included as i say i'm a car dealer they'll come in and buy a car they love it uh they they drive it for a couple hours 
And then a week later, they find out there was something about that car they didn't notice. It might be the visibility out of the rear window. Uh, you never know. So uh, stick to your idea of driving the car for a day or two. Okay, well, I appreciate your assistance. Thank you very much. Bob, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Please call again. 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. Speaking of texts, uh, we have them stacked up over there. We've got a few. Uh, let's see, first one, uh, Tim is asking, Earl, why? Did, what got you started in selling Toyotas, and what were you doing before you got a Toyota dealership? I was a Pontiac dealer, Tim, and uh, it was a... I'll, I'll try to make this fast, but it's one of my favorite stories. Uh, I was actually coming back as a Pontiac dealer uh, from a late-night poker game, and a friend of mine said, would you be interested in buying a Toyota dealership? This is in 1975. And I said, I'll buy anything if the price is right. So he gave me a friend of his friend's name. I called a guy. Uh, his name was, uh, what's I'm trying to think of his name, uh, Jerry Bean and uh, Dick Raffo. I called Dick Raffo in New York, and uh, long story short, within about a month, I'd bought myself a Toyota dealership. That was back when uh, Toyota dealerships weren't very popular, and Toyota wasn't very popular, so so my timing was right. Excellent. Okay, uh, Steve has an 07 Lexus E350, and he just bought a new Samsung cell phone, uh, brand new smartphone, and he says his Bluetooth cannot connect. He went into the Lexus dealership and they couldn't get it to work either. And they say there are no more updates available for his radio for connecting his Bluetooth. And he's wondering what are his options for getting this straightened around? I'm a little shocked. Samsung is a, a popular phone and uh, I see no reason. I would, I would check with another uh, Lexus dealership and I would also contact Lexus directly it doesn't sound to me like a satisfactory answer. Right, because those phones should be backwards compatible, yeah. and the Lexus Bluetooth system should be straightforward enough that you should still <laughs> accept it. Otherwise, uh, some of your options include an, an aftermarket Bluetooth adapter that will play through your radio, or possibly even considering the idea of simply replacing the radio with an aftermarket unit that'd be a lot less expensive than any factory units and it would have all the latest technology for Bluetooth and such things as the uh, Google CarPlay or Apple CarPlay. And I will say this, that one of the weak points in the modern cars is the whole Bluetooth connection thing. Uh, we get complaints all the time. When you go to a dealership or wherever you're going for help, assistance in getting your, your Bluetooth connected uh, to whatever you want to connect it to, uh, find the person, hopefully, in the dealership that knows what he's talking about. If you get the wrong person, they won't be on. They'll be unable uh, to do it for you. Uh, in my own dealership, I had a, a service advisor. We call them service, assistant service managers or salesmen. They recommended to one of my customers that they buy a new radio because it wouldn't connect. And come to find out that it was just an issue that he didn't understand. So you get a lot of bad advice in car dealerships today because of this new technology of Bluetooth. Get a second, third, or fourth opinion before you give up. And certainly, don't buy another radio. And believe it or not, one of the best resources for extra information on that is YouTube. You'd be amazed at how many times, because there are so many different phones out there, I can't even come close to memorizing how to make them all work. Yeah. 
So I go on YouTube to get advice on how to make all the various different phones connect with the cars. Very good. Next uh, Let's see. James is asking, uh, how do mega dealers afford such a large inventory? He assumes the interest cost on paying for those cars would be very high, and yet they always advertise super low prices. The uh, mega dealers um, do have large inventories. I mean, typically a car dealer will have a 60-day supply, meaning if they sell 100 cars a month, uh, they'll have 200 cars in inventory. But there are dealers that sell 1,000 cars a month, believe it or not, and they would have probably 2,000 cars in inventory. Actually, interest rates today on financing new cars in inventory, they call it floor plan, are, are still at historic lows. And uh, car dealers right now are only paying like 3 or 4% interest. And compared to years ago, uh, as a car dealer, I can remember back in the 70s, I was paying 20% uh, interest on my inventory. And uh, when I say that now, I choke and have palpitations. But uh, the car dealers today really got it easy because the cost of money is so low. Okay, next one. Andres on Facebook is asking, He's studying his new vehicle owner's manual, and he's looking at the maintenance section. He says he doesn't see any notes to have the first oil change completed before the typical 6,000-mile interval. Is the initial oil change at, say, 500 or 1,000 miles required these days? He says, I was very concerned with the oil in my car as it looked very dark. I changed the oil, and actually only about 3.5 quarts came out from a possible 4.75 quarts as per the manual. Hmm. And he only had about 2,000 miles on the car. Well, I would be checking with the dealership and find out why such little amount of oil came out of that yeah. car. But normally with most new cars, you're totally fine to follow that owner's manual and have your first oil change done at whatever interval they say, whether it's 5,000 miles like a lot of them or six or 10,000 miles, or even in some cases, they have it at 7,500 or other intervals. What model car was on making? He doesn't say what the model was. Uh, one of the things that we've, uh, I'm, I'm shocked about are the variability between an exact same two different car, uh, cars and how much oil they'll burn. And based on the tolerances of the engine and things like that, uh, you can see a car and Rick, correct me if I'm wrong, that can uh, burn a quart oil in uh, 3,000 miles, another will burn a quart oil in 10,000 miles or 20,000 miles. So it's, it's uh, individual cars will burn car, uh, oil at a different rate, and you need to monitor it and have the dealership or independent mechanic monitor your oil and see how fast you're burning. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, let me add something to that. The uh, When you're doing an a home oil change oftentimes uh, there's a couple things one is when a dealer or a repair shop does it your car is perfectly flat and that's how it's designed to have the oil drained uh, if you're doing an oil change at home in your driveway the odds are it's probably not perfectly flat and you could have half a quarter three quarters of a quart of oil sitting at the back or the front of the oil pan. like in San Francisco yeah like yeah, in San absolutely. Francisco uh, but most of our driveways are angled, too, because of uh, the flood stuff. Uh, the other thing is when a, when a repair shop or a dealer changes your oil, it's usually on a warm automobile. The engine's warmed up. The oil flows better, so you get more oil out as well. Now, most of these are zero-weight oils now. They're almost watery. 
but even sewing machine oil, uh, the same thing. You thicken it up, it flows better. So you got a couple of things uh, lined up against you there doing home oil changes versus a repair shop to get all the oil out of the car. Thank you. That's very true. Uh, and our, excuse our, me for a minute, Rick. Uh, to the young lady that was holding from Alabama, uh, please give us a back. Uh, all of the calls are very important. And uh, we have a caller f uh, from Jupiter that's been holding for quite some time, and his name is Alan. Good morning, Alan. Alan from Jupiter, we got you on the line. Hey, Alan. Okay, folks, we got some new equipment here today, and maybe we're not functioning up 100%. Uh, we had a call from Alabama that we don't have, and we have Alan, uh, who we thought was on the line. Oh, Alan, uh, we can't hear you. If you can hear us, uh, call back again. Yeah, we'll try again. I can again. hear you. Oh, good. Oh, good morning. Can you hear me? We hear you now. Thank you. Sorry about that. Uh, good morning. Uh, I, uh, I read. Well, we lost you again, Alan. New control room, uh, uh, new high-tech stuff here. Not working too well. My apologies. I'm sure once we get all this fancy new equipment working, it'll be very smooth. Yeah, and I agree with you. Uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to uh, Rudy. I'm expecting a call to come in, and that is from Justin Lynn just shortly, if you could patch that through to us. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, your calls are very important, and for uh, the ones that uh, we couldn't get to, uh, like the lady in uh, Alabama, uh, please uh, be patient and give us a call back at 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. We have an exciting show this morning. We have a great mystery shopping report and uh, so much more. Now back to the recovering car dealer. Yeah, again, my apologies. Uh, anybody that's called and been unable to get through, uh, we're in a new studio and we accept full responsibility for this, and we do apologize. Uh, we will prioritize your call. We're answering some texts now and postings on Facebook and Twitter and whatnot, but uh, the phone calls we will prioritize. And Nancy has the screen. As soon as a phone call pops up, uh, we'll interrupt whatever we're doing and take your call. So if you were cut off or you were listening and couldn't hear us, please call back, and we will take your call immediately. 877-960-9960, 877-960-9960. And please text us at 772-497-6530. That's 772-497-6530. Uh, let's go back to the text until we get another call, Rick. Oh, okay. Uh, Andrea's put in with a, uh, a little update here. It's a 2019 Hyundai Elantra GT with a 1.6 liter turbo. And he says he changed the oil on a sloped driveway, but he had the car on ramps and he says he checked it with a level to see that it was level. Hmm. Good call, we're on the same track. I would say so. Uh, in, in that case, um, I, I would again, I would consult with the dealership to try to find out what's going on and why it seems that that car was so low on oil for what should have been in there. Yeah, exactly. They probably want to fill it up with oil to the right level and then drive it and see how quickly it's burning. And sometimes if it burns oil too fast, you got a, a, a situation that can be corrected under warranty uh, or otherwise. And uh, sometimes they'll just tell you, unfortunately, 
Well, you just got one of those cars that burns a lot of oil. It's embarrassing to me when I have to tell my customer that, but we will have the exact same year make model car. One will burn it uh, an oil, you know, quart of oil in 5,000 miles. Another one will burn the quart of oil in 10,000 miles. Makes no sense. Yep. Okay, well, Scott Anderson is asking, can brake rotors on new cars qualify for a warranty item? He says his front brakes are shaking very badly when applied, and he checked, and he has around 85 to 90% of the pads left, and the car only has about 20,000 miles, which he bought brand new. And I can answer that one absolutely yes. That is a warrantable condition on just about every new car that I know of. Uh, so I would advise taking it to the dealership and let them know what's going on and they should be able to verify that condition and straighten it out for you quickly and easily. Are we out of text? Um, actually, I do have one more. I'm kind of waiting for an update uh, from a question that I asked John on YouTube. Excuse me, Rick. Sure. Uh, uh, Justin, if you could please give us a call back again. Uh, we're not 100% this morning. This is a brand new studio. And if you called 877-960-9960, that was the correct number. So give us a call again, please. We do know that you did call twice. Yeah, Justin Lynn is an attorney that we asked to call. And Justin, if you're listening, uh, uh, please forgive us and try again. Uh, Justin Lynn was going to address the Takata airbag issue question we have uh, with some of the reasons as to why uh, this Takata airbag is not made, it's not illegal to sell a car with a defective Takata airbag, or for that matter, why it's not illegal to sell any car with a dangerous recall. There are even cars out there on the road being sold as I speak to used car buyers that have dangerous recalls with no fix available. And in the United States of America, it's perfectly legal to do that. Makes no sense. Justin is an attorney. We'd love to hear from him. So if you're out there, Justin, try again. I think what might happen is the calls back up. We get too many calls, and then you get a busy signal or we hang up on you. 877-960-9960. 877-960-9960. And uh, please call us back or anybody calls back. We will prioritize. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, Justin, I'm really sorry that that line's still busy. Uh, but if you could uh, t uh, try one more time, uh, we may have to resort to uh, texting. Um, at any rate, ladies and gentlemen, please uh, take advantage of that number, 877-960-9960. And uh, you are an important part of the show. Uh, did you know that uh, between 2015 and 18, the top four years for recalls, it was the most recalls in U.S. history. You don't wake up without seeing a recall. I mean, it's everywhere, and it's an important topic. So I hope we can get to that uh, topic with Justin. And remember, we do have the mystery shopping report coming up, and uh, we'll get to that also. How now back to the recovering car dealer. How are we doing on text, Rick? Okay, uh, I've got two more here. Uh, John is asking, he says... He saw a, a true car that had price higher than three different dealership website prices. And I was verifying with him. He says it's three dealers over on the west coast of Florida, three different dealers mm -hmm. that had lower website prices than true car. Unfortunately, uh, website prices don't mean much because all car dealers in Florida charge exorbitant 
hidden fees on top of the advertised price. Uh, on top of the advertised price and the quoted price. You call on the phone, you walk into the dealership, the price that the salesman tells you is understated by sometimes thousands of dollars. So your true car price is probably a good price, although I do say this, whether it's true car or Costco or Consumer Reports, wherever your third-party source is, uh, cars.com, there are a lot of third-party pricing sources out there. Shop and compare that price just like you would a price that was quoted by your local dealer. But online prices or advertised prices, they're all understated by there's a dealer in South Florida that has a $3,000 dealer fee. And when he advertises a price and you go on the buy the car at that advertised price, it's $3,000 higher. Hidden fees are the way to add profit to an advertised price, and they should be illegal, just like unfixed or cut airbags. Any more text, uh, Rick? We do. They're coming in hot and heavy. Uh, Amy is asking, she says, I have five months left on my Buick Encore lease, and she's able to turn the car in early through a pull-ahead program. But she says she doesn't want to lease another Buick or GMC car. She says, I would love to get another Toyota. I've had several Toyotas over the past 35 years. What's the best way to handle this? Is it best to just be patient? I do not want to roll the five payments into a new lease or purchase price. What's her name? Amy. Amy. Okay, excuse me for interrupting, but uh, we do have some callers on hold. And uh, Rudy, I have lost that screen. Uh, what we're going to do is we're Amy, gonna... I'm going to get back to your your text, but we have to prioritize our callers, so yes, we will take absolutely. the calls. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to give Justin a call right now. Uh, but uh, I do not have the uh, callers up on my screen right now, Rudy. If you can uh, patch that over to me, uh, I'd appreciate it. Okay. Do we have any other callers? Uh, no calls at all on the okay, screen. Okay. Then I will answer Amy's. Uh, question um, and I just forgot what her question was uh, she has a Buick Encore with five lease oh, payments left exactly uh, you're, you're caught in the lease trap Amy uh, you've got a car that is from a particular manufacturer General Motors Buick and they have you locked in if you don't buy that car from them uh, they're going to charge you a lease disposition fee they've given you a special now uh, special deal to lure you in to lease another Buick. And that's the reason the manufacturers and the dealers love leasing. Um, I always say all things being equal, I'd recommend you buy the car. Uh, you're out of the clutches of the dealership and the manufacturer when you buy a car more than you are with a lease. Uh, with a lease, they got a string. That's like a yo-yo. And you got to keep coming back and leasing another car or buying another car. Um, you're just going to have to bite the bullet. If you want to buy a Honda or Toyota or something else, you will have a lease disposition fee. And then be very careful uh, when you turn that lease in. They'll go over that car with a fine tooth comb. And if you have what they define to be abnormal wear and tear, your tires are too thin, a stain on your upholstery, too many miles, they're going to hit you with a big charge. When you break off with whoever you're leasing from, General Motors, Ford, Toyota, they will penalize you. And uh, that's the reason I don't like leasing that much. Okay, excuse me. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we do apologize. Uh, we are uh, trying to adjust to a brand new studio. And uh, if you have uh, called and we lost you, please give a call back. And I believe that Lee is holding right now. Uh, good morning, Lee. Lee, are you still there? 
Oh, boy. Uh, this is very embarrassing uh, that we are having this problem. Uh, you may be there, at least sometimes I speak like I'm speaking now, and suddenly your voice comes, and you're probably, I hope you're listening to me. And now I hear a there dial tone. So there he is. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> chaotic uh, first day in our new studio. We and, knew it, though. We knew we it was going to happen. We knew it. I guess if it's going to happen, just like buying a new car, you get some few bugs and you get yep. them fixed, and hopefully we'll get this thing fixed, and it won't happen again. We're real, fortunately, the texts are working pretty well. Uh, I think we have one text we haven't answered over there, Rick. Yeah, and I I just lost it for a moment here. I'm working on uh, well, let me, computer let me, issues too. Let me say something. This is um, being an interesting day. Let me say something. One of the one of the calls that we really look forward to uh, from Justin Lynn, an attorney. He's an attorney in both New York and Florida. Uh, we had some discussions during the week, and he was going to help me address the issue of the legality of selling cars all over the United States with dangerous recalls. Common sense tells me, and tells you, I believe our listeners, it should be illegal to sell me a product that can kill me. I mean, you're not going to be able to buy a product, most other, uh, I'm sure that if you had a baby carriage or you had a, a loaf of bread, if you ate it, it would kill you, it'd be illegal to sell. Why is it legal to sell me a car or you a car with a defective Takata airbag that can explode in your face and kill you and there's no fix available? There is no reason for it. So Justin Lynn is trying desperately to call and address this issue. I have another theory that I wanted to talk to an attorney about, and that is on the other side of the law, if I am president of AutoNation, the largest retailer of cars in the world, and I have cars in inventory that have defective Takata airbags or other dangerous recalls, and I don't sell them, am I subject to a suit by the stockholders because it's my fiduciary responsibility to make a profit for AutoNation. And here's a car that's perfectly legal to sell, but I make a moral decision, I won't sell it, I'm going to ground those cars, and it costs AutoNation profit. The profits go down, the stock price goes down, and I get sued by the shareholders. That was the other legal issue that I wanted to talk to an attorney about. So, uh, fortunately, the attorneys are unable to get through on the lines. And uh, we will, if we can't address it this week, we'll address it next week. We're in a new studio, and things aren't working too well. We're, we're getting there, folks. We're working on it. Yeah. Can't even get through on the text now, huh? I, I'm ha I had to restart the whole computer system here. I'm okay. bringing it back okay. up. Okay. Uh, excuse me, for, uh, guys. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we, again, uh, reiterate we are having some difficulties. This is a brand-new studio. And uh, the, uh, I've, I got word that things have uh, been frozen up. Uh, and uh, we are expecting uh, Justin Lynn, the attorney from New York, to give us a call. But uh, we're having difficulties with that. So please bear with us. Uh, back to the recovering car dealer. I think Alan had a point. Yeah, I just uh, I wanted to go back to an anonymous uh, question that we got the other day. A guy was... Uh, he wrote in, he was questioning whether he should pressure wash his car uh, or not when he does his uh, cleanups at home. And uh, like most of us in South Florida, we all have pressure washers because we're sidewalks and our roofs mold and so on and so forth. Um, and I gave him kind of a, a short answer, a written answer. Uh, 
But the long answer is don't pressure wash your car unless there's a specific reason that you need to. Uh, Whenever you pressure wash a car, there's so many problems that can happen, especially if you do it under the hood. Uh, if you get some of these electronic uh, components wet or the, the wiring harnesses, it, it can make your car undrivable. Uh, we've, we've gotten coils wet uh, before we figured out that cars were evolving and they can't take that high pressure anymore under the hood. Uh, so never spray any water, even with a garden hose, under your hood anymore. Those days are gone. Uh, but as far as the exterior of the car, the professionals do it for speed just to get that car rinsed off really fast and and move on that you know they're doing it for money if you have the time at home don't pressure wash your car around the windows you can blow the rubber gaskets out get water in your car if you have any kind of a paint defect at all that uh, pressure washer is going to make it real obvious because it's going to blast the paint off of your car and pressure washing bugs off the front of your car is not a good idea uh, you got to soften those guys up with some soap, and you got to scrub them off with elbow grease. And that was, you, that's my long answer. Thank you, Alan. Okay. Alan, Alan stretched that out because we have no callers and no uh, texters. So actually, nice. actually, we do. We have been waiting for Justin for Justin Lynn, uh, and uh, we thank him so much for uh, well calling in and uh sorry for all the difficulty justin uh justin's giving us a call <clears throat> as i said justin lynn a new a uh, attorney uh, i'm out of breath <laughs> well let me handle it then. justin uh let's start out with uh, this question which i posed earlier because we couldn't get you through on the phones and i apologize for that this question justin if you can answer it for me why is it legal or any car dealer in the United States to sell anybody a car with a dangerous recall that cannot be fixed. So, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? I'm doing fine. I, I'm sorry that you had to try so hard to get through, and I thank you very, very much, and I should have introduced you better, but I'm kind of uh, out of breath like Nancy. <laughs> Justin is an attorney, and he's licensed in New York and Florida. He's a consumer advocate attorney, and uh, he's a great attorney, and he cares about uh, his clients, and he cares about uh, car buyers, and uh, he's going to try to help us out. Yeah, so th- from my understanding is there's no law that stops someone from selling a used car with a known defect. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are There is a federal law that prevents uh, dealers from selling brand-new cars mm-hmm. to uh, consumers, when they know there's a defect or defect was issued or recall was issued, but uh, as far as used car goes, and that's really the the problem here, is because once a car is sold and it's in the used car market, mm-hmm. the dealer has less of a uh, ability to to keep an eye on that car and to get it out of circulation. So, um, the really the the big issue here are the used cars, and there's no federal law that stops. A dealer from reselling a used car with a known defect. Justin, let me ask you this: uh, you're, you're the attorney, but my impression was that our laws are based on, you know, British common law, case law, uh, etc. And there, there are certain laws that are almost uh, implied, inherent. Uh, I thought, and I'll be, I guess I'm wrong. I thought there, there must be some law somewhere that prevents a company from knowingly selling a product 
that can injure the buyer or kill the buyer. I know that uh, there's a big hoopla in the media anytime uh, there's a, a toy, a child's toy, baby toy, uh, be it a crib or a high chair or whatever that can kill people. Uh, if, if I'm, if I'm a, a toy salesman and I've got a toy store and I have a, a rattle that I'm selling to babies and I know this rattle can choke the baby and kill it, is it legal for me to sell it if no one make, passes a law that says it's no, illegal? So, so that's actually illegal as well. Uh, the federal government passed in 2008 under George Bush, the Consumer Protection Safety Improvement Act. Mm -hmm. And this, that Protection Act for consumers is more focused on children's toys, like you're talking about, mm -hmm. and other direct consumer products. Mm -hmm. And whether, and, and it says that it's illegal for anyone to resell or sell a product with a, a dangerous or open recall. And mm -hmm. Uh, but the problem with that law is, is as you can imagine, with uh, dealers having great lobbyists, is that that law doesn't apply to car dealers. I think there's a carve-out that shows that the, the car is not a consumer product under that oh, really? uh, act, that, that protection <laughs> act. So it's not, it's not the type of, of act that would, or the type of thing that would fall under the act. Very interesting. Uh, well, what? But I can tell you. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, Justin. I'm sorry. So, so, so I can also tell you, though, kind of in that same direction, it, that in, on June 26th of this year, 2019, Senators Blumenthal and Markey uh, introduced in the Senate the Used Car Safety Recall Repair Act. Mm. And this, this act is particularly interesting because it, it's exactly what you're talking about. It's exactly the the fight that you're fighting. Ah. And, and if you look at the act and the language that it's, it, proposing is it's there's an acknowledgement that what's happening is, is people are selling used cars and they're doing it with known recalls and, and people are being hurt mm -hmm. and that it acknowledges under federal law that they can do this so that this is a piece of legislation that's attempting to uh, prevent car dealers and, and manufacturers from selling these cars with open recalls wow well i sure hope it passes i'm uh, delighted to hear that i I'm I'm just I'm just uh, baffled as to what the logic could have been. I think you said and you answered the question. Uh, lobbyists uh, have lobbied the uh, legislatures uh, to give a little outage for car dealers. I mean, uh, if you sell a consumer product, uh, I don't know what a car is if it's not a consumer product. But uh, they define cars as non-consumer products. That's uh, that's the most uh, dastardly thing. Uh, I can imagine uh, something could kill you. More people are killed in cars than uh, probably any other consumer product. Well, you know, I was thinking the same thing, and, and I also I found some other interesting stuff this morning. Uh, did you hear about the the FTC decision that allows the dealers and the the manufacturers to advertise their cars as certified or safe as long as they disclose the recall? I did, and I I know uh, uh, Rosemary Shahan who is uh, the president of CRS, uh, I always forget the acronym, uh, uh, Citizens Against uh, Repair, Safety and Repair of Cars, something like that. But she, uh, she's out of California, and she's the one that led the suit against the Federal Trade Commission, and she lost. 
And, and again, that had to do with lobbying, I'm sure, by the auto manufacturers and the car dealers. Yep, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think you talked about what, what can be done. And I think, in my opinion, and maybe I'm, a, I'm biased because I'm a plaintiff's lawyer, but I think we serve a really important role in society. And, and that's kind of the, the keeping uh, large companies in check and ensuring that even when there's not uh, a law on point, that large companies are making safe products for their consumers. Because um, when a company's on notice that they have a dangerous product or that their product can hurt people, they, they have a certain duty then to protect people. And, and they also have a duty to, to manufacture a car that's crashworthy, meaning that it, it can go through a crash and not sure. make you more injured. So um, I think what's uh, aside from the federal legislation and state legislation helping this situation, I think there needs to be a more uh, concerted effort on plaintiff's lawyers to try to find uh, what could either be a class action yes. suit or what would be, uh, what I've had a lot of luck with lately is federal RICO, which is uh, the Racketeering Influence Corruption Organization Act. Mm-hmm. And what that is, is people hear, oh, you know, you got arrested for RICO charges because you're a criminal, right? So the, the thing that there, there is in the law is civil RICO, and that allows a lawyer or somebody to sue a company and allege that they're engaging in illegal conduct, mm-hmm. and that illegal conduct is causing damages. Mm-hmm. And what's really, really powerful is that civil RICO gives you three times or treble damages oh. and an award of attorney's fees. So, you know, if you could, uh, if you can allege like that a, a large national car dealer is breaking laws in several states, all you have to show is two criminal infractions wow. to show a criminal enterprise. So if, say, CarMax is selling cars in one state that's illegal to do that, mm-hmm. and then they're doing it in another state, and then you can find something else that they could have been doing wrong uh, people use investigators to search through different things to find different criminal acts. And, and once the thing with, with civil RICO is when you get them on the hook for it, it's an incredibly powerful tool to force somebody into compliance. Because wow. if not, like I said, they're going to be paying three times the damages and attorney's fees. And a little case could turn into a multi-million dollar, billion dollar case against the auto auto you know, dealers and manufacturers. No wonder the price of Ford stock is dropping. Uh, they were manufacturing <laughs> cars with, uh, knowingly manufacturing cars with defective transmissions that can hurt or injure their customers, and that's more or less a matter of record. They're a natural for a RICO civil suit, right? Yeah, you know, obviously and you'd, you'd want to be looking for one of these, the bigger dealers, too, that have the, you know, the, the ability to uh, either pay out on this and to continue to stay open and, and to make a decision that they're going to do something different. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you put somebody out of business, you know, that's a good message to the rest of the community. But also uh, it, it, what, what helps is when the big leaders in the industry take charge and really point the rest of the industry in the right direction. And if someone like Ford or GM gets tagged with a, a ridiculously large uh, judgment or, or settlement, then they're going to make a decision mm-hmm. just like they did in the Ford Pinto case that they have to do better for the community because, you know, ultimately what we're talking about is a betrayal of the public trust here. Mm-hmm. We, we, we go and we buy a car hoping that and expecting that it's safe for us. And at some point, 
that when that when that trust is betrayed, uh, we need to be able to to expect more from the car dealers. Well, Justin, the car dealers, but the manufacturers as well. You're listening to Justin Lynn. He's a plaintiff's attorney. Uh, he's a very fine attorney. Cares about his clients, and he has a license to practice law in New York and Florida. And uh, he's helping us now answer this question about why it's legal to sell cars with dangerous recalls, and it is legal. And uh, we're talking about ways we can get around this. Uh, Justin, let me ask you another question about legality. Am I right that a public company like AutoNation uh, has a fiduciary responsibility to the stockholders to earn money by legally anything legal that they can do uh, to maximize the profit, the return on investment of the stockholders. Therefore, if they have cars in their inventories, or used car inventories, that do have dangerous recalls, if they made the moral decision to sideline these cars and not retail them, they theoretically could be sued because they were not fulfilling their obligation to their stockholders. So, you know, I... I'll, I'll pick apart a couple of things that you said there, and I'll, and I'll start with the, the okay. point that I, um, I, I don't think that phrasing it as a moral decision is the right way to go about creating the change you want, even though it's true, right? Mm-hmm. You want, this is a moral decision for you. But as a CEO or a leader of a company, there's also the thing called the business judgment rule, and it allows you as a CEO or a leader of a company to make business judgments. And you're given an incredible amount of discretion because you're the leader of a company. Mm-hmm. You need the discretion to be able to make sound business judgments. And it's a really high threshold for the stockholders to come back later and say, you made the wrong business judgment. Mm-hmm. And in this case, where the business judgment we're talking about is whether or not we should sell cars with open recalls. And if you say, I'm not going to do it because I think it's a, a moral issue, then you're bringing up issues of, of that whether your business judgment was, was a sound and in the best interest of the company. Mm-hmm. But if you phrase it in, in a, to me, what seems more appropriate is as a, a risk to the company and a, a, a financial, a, a potential financial burden that the company can experience. Because the reality is, I would love to get one of these cases where, uh, somebody is seriously injured or unfortunately passes away and a car dealer sold uh, a used car and knew about it. I, I'm pretty sure that I would go after them very aggressively and I would try to get an incredible amount of compensation for my client because I care about you know getting the right results. Well, people. I've got a case for you right now, Justin. We, we, uh, we mystery shop CarMax four times and three of the four times they deliberately misrepresented cars as having uh, fixable safety recalls, and they were not fixable because the inflators were not available. But uh, we can talk about that later. I want to. I just want to mention one thing back on the responsibility of the CEO to uh, make a profit for the stockholders. Michael Jackson, the CEO of AutoNation, about a year and a half ago, made that decision that he was going to withhold from sale all of the vehicles with dangerous airbag recalls. He would not sell any cars with dangerous to cut airbag recalls. And he stuck to that. The reason I remember, because I'm the only other de- uh, car dealer that did it, AutoNation and, and my dealership, and we're still not selling those cars. But uh, Michael Jackson made the decision not to do it, held those cars off the market for a year, and then 
got on CNBC and announced to the world that he was reversing that decision, that he was going to start selling the cars, and he was sorry he had to do it, but it was costing the company a lot of money. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, that's also another thing where it comes to simple, uh, a similar situation as the Ford Pinto case where somebody's making uh, calculated decisions, and unfortunately those calculated decisions the, the equations involve people's life, mm-hmm. and they're they're saying that uh, they can sell a certain amount of of cars with a recall open and make a certain amount of money so that their investors are happy. And you know, if that they get sued, who cares? It's not as much money as if one mm-hmm. they don't sell the cars, or two their investors sue them for securities fraud or something similar to that. So they're sure. making a a calculated decision where they're taking into account the value of somebody's life, and they're deciding that they're going to sell the car despite that and that they have to. And one of the things that is really interesting to me about that particular case is um, it it unfortunately now sets them up for incredible liability because it's similar to a case where an apartment complex knows that it's a dangerous neighborhood and they decide to hire a security guard to protect that that apartment complex. Mm -hmm. But if at some point that security guard just doesn't show up anymore, they decide they don't want to employ him anymore, or or that the security guard isn't adequate enough for what's needed, then the the apartment complex is potentially on the hook because they took a step to try to protect people, and that step was either not enough or Mm -hmm. that they they removed it without reason. I see. So um, it by by establishing a duty to protect the consumer like they did, they almost put themselves in a position, in a worse-off position moving forward if, if somebody buys a new car or a, a used car from them in the future that has a recall and they're, they're seriously injured or, or, or pass away. Well, there's two class action suits you can look at, Justin, AutoNation and CarMax. Well, uh, we, can, we can talk about that later, but thank you very, very much. Uh, for going through the pain and aggravation of getting through to the uh, radio show with our new studio. I don't know how many times you must have called, but uh, I really appreciate you going to all that trouble. And we'd love to hear from you uh, regularly. I promise you that we'll get this uh, technical problems finished and fixed, and we'll be able to be reached next week and the week after. So please call again sometime. No worries, Russell. Can you give me me, uh, 10 seconds? Sure, absolutely. So I'm, a, like Earl mentioned, I'm a, a personal injury attorney. I'm licensed in Florida and New York. I live in New York, and I focus on helping people who were injured while they were in New York who live in Florida. So if you're on vacation or you're here for work and you get injured and you have to go back to Florida, a lot of Florida lawyers have no idea how to handle that case, and that's my focus is to help people who need help when they were hurt while they were in New York. I also handle a whole ton of, of other injury cases, but uh, my niche is uh, cases involving Florida and New York. And I'll say this, Nancy and I know Justin personally. Uh, we knew him before he was an attorney, and we've known him since. And uh, he's one of the good guys. You yeah, know, you've got definitely. a lot of attorneys out there, and uh, but you have some, a few like Justin, that really care about his clients. Justin Lynn, L-I-N-N. Uh, what's your uh, email address, Justin? So you can find me online at justinlinlaw.com, J-U-S-T-I-N-L-I-N-N-L-A-W.com. Uh, you can call me 561-756-1608. 
or my email address is justinlinlaw at gmail.com, J-U-S-T-I-N-L-I-N-N-L-A-W at gmail.com. And if any of you uh, didn't get all that written down, you can call me or Nancy or call the show. Definitely. We'll give you Justin Lin's contact information. Once again, Justin, thank you very much uh, for what you do and for being so persistent to get through the show this morning. We all thank you, Justin. From all of us here at Earl Stewart on Cars, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. You guys have a great day. You too, thank gentlemen. You. Okay. Uh, well, I think that uh, we're going to go to the mystery shopping report in light of the, the way things are right now. And uh, we'll have just enough time. It's about 9.36. Also, and, we, uh, we've got a couple of texts over here we might be able to have time to get to. Yeah. Well, uh, let me tell the uh, our listeners that you can vote on the mystery shopping report by texting us at 772-497-6530. And that mystery shopping report is from uh, Greco. Chevrolet in Delray Beach. Now back to uh, Rick. Yeah, we got a couple of texts coming. We'll, okay. We have time. Yeah, we'll kind of uh, zip through on a couple of these. Uh, Ronald is asking, can the finance and insurance insist on dealer add-on fees such as window tint after I agreed on a price with the salesman? Uh, they can, uh, but you don't have to buy the car from them. Uh, this is part of the uh, many, many dirty little secrets car dealers have, uh, dealer install options. Hidden fees are probably the biggest, but dealer install options are a uh, close second. And it's just uh, totally unconscionable to advertise a car at a price that they won't sell the car for. And uh, the way they bump the profit, hidden fees, AKA dealer fees and dealer installed options. Uh, nitrogen in the tires, uh, window tint, uh, pinstripes, uh, road hazard insurance. It go, the list goes on and on and on. And dealer installed accessories uh, are not only a sneaky trick to add to the profit, but they have very low value and very high price. That's the reason they're dealer installed. Typically, a package of dealer-installed accessories would have a dealer cost of $100, and they would charge you 1000 Or if it was $200, they'd charge you 2000 And uh, when you get a price on a car, be sure it is an out-the-door price plus tax and tag only. I'm going to hold up something for the camera, and you can download this on our EarlOnCars.com. Or you can download it at... OutTheDoorPriceAffidavit.com www.OutTheDoorPriceAffidavit.com It basically is an affidavit that says the car I'm buying is has the complete price that you quoted me and this is the advertised price and it's the quoted price and the only thing you're going to add to that price are government fees and government fees are typically sales tax and license plate but dealer installed options are something they cannot and should not add to the price. We got another one? We do. Uh, KitKat is asking, will you, our dealership, Earl Stewart Toyota, accept a Takata airbag recall vehicle on trade-in? And if so, do you reduce its trade-in value? And then what do you do with the unfixable car once you own it? We will not retail a car with a dangerous recall Takata airbag or anything else. When the car comes in, we give the uh, market value appraised price. And interestingly enough, there was a time when the market value appraised price, I thought, was going to be higher than what 
the real value of the car was. The fact of the matter is, because of the lack of action by our legislators and regulators on dangerous recall cars, the market value is the same at the wholesale auctions as if they did or do not have a recalled uh, dangerous recalls. So yes, when we trade in a car, we'll accept and we'll give you the market value and then we'll take that car and we'll get it fixed. If it can't be fixed, if it can't be fixed, we will sell it at the auction at the wholesale auction and let another dealer buy it and they're going to take the car and they're going to retail it. Okay. And the last one we have here is Robbie from Stewart. Uh, kind of a uh, public service announcement that he's got here. Are you aware that on the news, some states are now charging, he says double or triple, but I looked it up and it's actually quite a hefty amount for license plates for people who own alternative fuel vehicles, hybrids, plug-in hybrids, electric cars, because their gasoline revenue, the gasoline tax revenues that those states were normally getting are falling because people are buying these alternative fuel vehicles, the electric vehicles. So a lot of these states, 19 of them now, are charging anywhere from 50 to $200 additional to register your car each year because it is a non-gasoline-using car. Yes, I've heard that, and that's the dumbest thing I've heard. That's the second dumbest thing I've heard. Uh, the first one was Toyota building an odometer on a 2007 Corolla that would only go up to 300,000 miles. Yeah. But to charge extra for someone that is trying to uh, reduce energy consumption and have a cleaner environment and charge them a premium because they're not collecting gasoline tax is pure stupid. And I'm going to get that list of 19 states and read it out on the air so hopefully we can embarrass the people in those states that allow this to become law. Well, as a matter of fact, one of them that charges almost $200 is California. Hard How hypocritical is that? Well, I, I think Illinois was talking about doing a $1,000 annual fee just because they're not going to be able to collect the gas tax <laughs> you would be paying. I think they're considering it right now. Well, $1,000. Anyway, they are politicians. There's, you know, I can never be surprised or shocked at the stupidity of our politicians. But I was a little bit surprised when I heard that. Yeah, never cease to amaze us. Uh, do we have any more texts, uh, Rick? We're no, running short I've, on time. I've got that list of states right here. Okay. Well, if you'd like to hear more, well, we'll, uh, if we have time, time, if we have time after the mystery shopping report, we'll read that list out. Okay, that sounds real good. And ladies and gentlemen, let me remind you that you too can vote on the mystery shopping report, and uh, that text number is seven seven two four nine seven six five three zero. Now back to the recovering car dealer and the mystery shopping report from Greco. That's Greco Chevrolet in Delray Beach. Okay, uh, Greco. Uh, is not on any of our recommended buying list. Uh, we're taking a break from our normal CarMax efforts. We've been shopping CarMax quite a bit to find out if and if they will sell cars with dangerous recalls, and they will. And in fact, I just spoke to an attorney, Justin Lynn, on the air a few minutes ago, and I think he's going to take a look at CarMax for a class action suit. Uh, in recent years, while still uh, prevalent, the most extreme examples <laughs> 
of bait-and-switch style advertising are less common than they used to be. Perhaps this is due to various manufacturers like Honda and Toyota putting into place stricter rules on how their cars can be advertised. This happened four or five years ago. I'm not sure how good a thing it is, but I believe it has somewhat of a positive effect. Or perhaps this is due to a more informed public, and we at Earl and Cars, Earl Sterling Cars, are proud to take some credit for that in South Florida. But you're in for a treat or a surprise here. It's not really a treat uh, when we find somebody that just didn't get the message. Uh, this week's mystery shop brings us to a familiar dealer group. We've shopped them several times over the years, and you may know them from their multiple positions on our bad dealer list. Gooddealerbaddealerlist.com. www.gooddealerbaddealerlist.com. And you can go online and check Earl Stewart on Cars Recommended and do not buy from this dealer list. And you'll find uh, Napleton, for example, and Greco are two of the dealers that just don't have any dealerships, and they have multiple dealerships, but none, none of them are on the recommend dealer list. So we're going to do a Greco Chevrolet in Delray Beach, and this is this shopping report. On the new car specials page of their website, we found several offers that appear too good to be true. Curiously, the tagline for this ad is Greco Summer Switch, and that had to make all of us here laugh at Earl and Cars because of what, you know, bait and switch? I mean, is that subliminal? Was that uh, subconscious uh, when the advertiser wrote this ad? And I'm looking at it right here. Greco Summer Switch. I'll hold it, hold it up to the camera for you streaming us on Facebook or YouTube. Greco Summer Switch. Uh, we chose a particularly enticing offer to investigate a new 2019 Camaro starting at $17,699 or lease it for $259 per month. These lease ads amaze me. Uh, there's $99 per month. They're advertising, I see them locally, and you probably see them in your market. $99 seems to be a magic um, monthly payment. And of course, there's no truth to it. There's always something hidden in the fine print. You know what they say about offers that seem to be too good to be true? Yeah. Well, we called on mystery shopper extraordinaire Agent Thunder to investigate. Here's a reporter speaking the first person as if I were Agent Thunder. I arrived at the dealership around noon. It's a bit run down, gave off a real old school vibe. I was immediately greeted by a young man named David. Sales manager quickly came over and explained that David was new, but he was we, we were in good hands, and David would take good care of us. David offered us a bottle of water, sat me down at a desk that was uncomfortably close to several managers, sales managers, and other salesmen were hovering by. Now, you notice we're naming names, and this is one of the things that we do that's kind of special. Uh, our mystery shopping report is unique. You won't find it anywhere uh, where a car dealer, like myself, I like, prefer to think of myself as a consumer advocate, uh, but this radio show, we name the dealership, we name the salespeople, we name the managers, and we tell you exactly what happened. And we've been doing this for 15 years. We've been shopping different car dealers in Florida for 15 years, and we've never been sued. We just talked to an attorney, Justin Lynn, and if he's still listening, he'll probably say, that is amazing. We actually have named dealerships and salespeople and managers 
accuse them of anything that we found them doing, including breaking the law, uh, lying, cheating, and all the other things that are uh, not so happy to do to a customer. And we talk about it openly, and we've never been sued. And I love to brag about this. Why? Because the perfect defense against libel and slander is the truth. We are speaking the truth. So here we are, Greco Del Rey, Greco Chevrolet Del Rey. Uh, call your lawyer, tell them to tune in, and if we say something that is untrue, I want you to sue me. But we haven't been sued in 15 years. And this is the truth as we saw it, and I think you'll agree if you're listening. Uh, I told David that uh, the new car specials on the website caught my attention. Specifically, the offer to purchase a new 2019 Camaro for $17,699 or lease it for $259, $259 a month. That's a heck of a deal. He wasn't aware of what I was talking about, salesman. He was new, David. Uh, he came back. He went out to check. He came back to inform me that the offer was on a lower-end model Camaro. He then asked me what price I'd like to be around. I gave him a dumbfounded look. I said, I saw the price on the website, and that's the price that I want to be around. I came in on the advertised price. He then proceeded to ask me a series of questions that his manager must have prepped him with. Uh, here's the first one. Was I active in the military? Isn't that strange? I come in to buy a car on an advertisement, and they want to know if I'm a soldier or a sailor. So... And they also want to know, did I have a current lease with General Motors? Peculiar. Why so interested in those things? I responded, no, I don't have a lease and I'm not in the military. I'm just looking to purchase this car for the advertised price. He then asked me which color I would like and went out to find the car so we can take a look. A few minutes later, he pulls up uh, with a base, basic stripped base is what we call it in the trade, four-cylinder Camaro. No options or accessories. We walked around the car, took a test drive. He, uh, he wasn't familiar with the car. David was new. Uh, so he read the vehicle information from the window sticker. It was a pretty quick test drive, and we returned to the lot. Back at the desk, he asked me if I'm interested in the car. I said, yeah. Uh, I'd like to see the numbers on a purchase order, a buyer's order. He excused himself to speak with the manager again. 20 minutes. So he's a new salesman, leaving me for 20 minutes to twiddle my thumbs. He comes back with a manager, Todd. Okay, now we're naming names. Greco Chevrolet Del Rey, David the salesman. Now we have Todd, the sales manager. And Todd repeated that David is new and wanted to let me know that the special advertised price is based on specific qu questions, qualifications, I'd say, such as being active duty military. Now, what are the chances are that anybody walking into a car dealership around here is on active duty? I mean, we're not at war that I'm aware of, and we have a few little police actions going, they used to go on. But the odds against someone walking into a car dealership on an advertised price that are on active duty in South Florida, uh, Rick, what would you say, one out of a thousand? I, I think you might be a little... Might, might be a little more on that, but maybe one out of 5,000. I mean, if this were Pensacola or Jacksonville 
yeah. where there was a big state, a big military yeah. base right nearby. I could see it possible. No military bases down here. Nah. No. Okay, so that's premeditated right there. And uh, they also asked me if I had a current GM lease. Now, GM has got something like, what, uh, 8% of the, uh, of the uh, market, and uh, they lease maybe a fourth of that. So let's say 2 or 3%. So the odds are about 2 or 3 out of 100, if that, yeah. if they have a GM lease. So if, to combine the two, uh, active duty military with a GM lease, that's virtually impossible. Yeah. And, and they know that, right? So this is bait and switch. Uh, the advertised model was actually an even lower Camaro than the one I was looking at. However, he went on to say how he was going to try to get me as close to what I saw advertised. How much money are you able to put down? Now, putting down money is paying. So when you put down money, you're not lowering the price. You're paying more. So that's what he asked me. So I was a little tired. I said I might be able to come up with $10,000 just to get things rolling here. He says, okay, and then he'd be right back. There he goes again. David's going back to talk to Todd. He comes back with a lease information sheet despite my repeated requests for purchase numbers. He told me, don't worry, it says lease, it says lease information. He'd give me a buyer's order later. Explained that he couldn't get all the rebates needed to discount this 27,990 MSRP card down the advertised price of 17,999, but came close. He's got it down to 21,000, he says, with all fees and taxes. I still don't believe that. I asked him if there was a dealer fee, and he said, yes, of course. Uh, that's worked into the numbers. He said he'd have it on the purchase order when I came back. So we're, we're trying to buy it, and all he wants to do is give me leasing information. He says his dealer fee is $999. Uh, back to the lease sheet, explained that with my $10,000 down, I'd be at $300 per month, and went on to explain the numbers. I was very confused by the end of the conversation and wanted to get out of there. The sales manager gave me a ton of information quickly. An argument was going on between another customer and a manager right next to us with many people looking on, and I kept being told I'd be paying $300 a month. My repeated requests for a simple purchase order were ignored. <laughs> I was genuinely feeling very, very upset, and uh, I realized that I was not going to get the car at the price that I came in on. Here's the analysis. The lease information sheet given to Agent Thunder shows an initial cap cost of 27000 Cap cost is dealer lingo, lease lingo, for what the price of the car would be if you bought it. Uh, this is only a $990 discount of the SMRP. It then shows, but it does not itemize, $2,109 in ads to the price or cap cost. Uh, this is most likely the leasing company's acquisition fee. That's another hidden fee, dealer fee, and Greco's hidden fees for $999. This adds up to a price of over $29,000, and that's north higher than the $21,000 uh, told to Agent Thunder by the uh, manager. So it was a lie. It was a deception. It was a bait and switch. And uh, it's clear that this is the worst mission that Agent Thunder has ever been on. Uh, 
I got to say, this is most even greater than Napleton, who was on our list of the most deceptive dealers. Greco is Trump Napleton now in deception. Uh, we've got a vote on this now, and actually, there's no uh, vote in my mind. Uh, we're uh, let's go to the text first. Have we had any text votes come in, Rick? Uh, so far, we've got Linda has says F. That's yeah. just too weird. Mr. Hand says F failure and hang them high. <laughs> uh, I'm, I normally don't go first, but I just can't wait to say uh, this is the biggest failure uh, that we've made in a long, long time. Greco is a big fact, F minus. Nancy, what do you say? Uh, I also give them an F. Uh, this really represents a, a, you know, a terrible reflection on uh, car dealers, and it's uh, it's really very sad. There's a whole lot of that going on. Uh, refer to Earl's uh, bait and switch column uh, that he wrote uh, at Earl and Cars. Okay, Alan, you're up. Um, we'll give the salesman a benefit of the doubt and give him a D because he's new, if that's yeah. true. That's fair. F, I mean, it's merciful. Yeah. Yes. And F for the dealer and going over this buyer's order that's not a buyer's order. It's a lease, yeah. whatever, proposal. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I'm pretty good at math. I still don't know where all his $10,000 went, but NF. Yeah. It was planned with the uh, down payment. He was treating, believe it or not, a $10,000 payment as a price reduction, and that's not. And he was also talking about adding the dealer fees on top of the cap cost to boost the price up and the lease acquisition fee and who knows what else. Rick? Uh, I've got Mark and Kit Kat both saying F, Donovan and LJ both saying F, Ernesto saying F. Doug and Ollie both say F. Ollie <laughs> says meow F. <laughs> and my own F. I yeah. just wonder, how do we always get the new salespeople? When, when are we going to have one of our guys go in there and get a salesperson that's been doing it for six, seven years at that dealership? I think turnover among car salespeople is the highest of any profession. And it's a tribute to the fact that most of the young people that come in and they want to start selling cars because they think they can make a lot of money will not put up with the shenanigans of the dealer. Can you imagine mm -hmm. going into a car dealership, you haven't sold cars before, and you, you don't anticipate what, what you have to go through, and in the sales meeting, they get you in there and they said, now, we're advertising this car at $10,000 less than we can sell it for. So people are going to be coming in on this ad, and then you have to explain to them why they can't buy the car. Uh, come and get me. I'll help you. And that's the sales manager. How long could you survive in that sort of environment, knowing that everybody that came to the door that spoke to you and wanted to buy the car You'd have to lie to to get them to buy a car, which was higher price, higher profit for the dealer. Wow. So a lot of these young salespeople don't last uh, more than a few weeks. And after that, the brain damage is so much they leave. Uh, it's very rare to find a veteran salesperson. If, a, if, if you find a veteran salesperson, either he has a group following that he will treat fairly and they go in and deal with a salesperson because he is honest despite the de the dealer's uh, behavior or else he is a crook just like the dealer and he doesn't mind lying to you so it's a sad state of affairs i think we're just about out of time aren't we nancy yes we are and uh we want to thank everyone who made this show happen this morning in our brand new studio from all of us here at earl on cars 
We want to thank you again. Have a wonderful weekend.